You are listening to the Amazing Women podcast, where we enjoy meaningful conversations with extraordinary women. These highly successful entrepreneurs will share their stories of remarkable success and occasionally some spectacular failures. Come join your host, entrepreneur and best-selling author Rob Kopman, as he shares this hour with you and these fascinating women. Today's guest is Dominique Murphy, and she's a very interesting woman. She's an Emmy Award-winning TV personality. She's a journalist. She's done countless interviews. She could probably interview me. Uh, I'm sure she could and do a better job, but I'll do my best here. And she's a very, very interesting woman. She's written books, and she has this great program. And I'm not going to steal her thunder. I'll let her tell you about it. So, Dominique, tell, tell my audience, what's the name of your new program and your new book, and what's the goal of it? Yeah, the, the company is called The Right Method, and it's R-I-G-H-T, The Right Method. We have a course. We have a brand new website, therightmethod.com. And let me just start by explaining what the right method is. I get asked that often. What, what is the right method? Tell me, what is the secret? What is the right method? Well, the right method is a paradox. There is no one-size-fits-all right method. You have to find what's right for you. My background, as you mentioned, Rob, I am a journalist. I've worked all over the nation, coast to coast, as a television TV host and as a news anchor. And one thing that I found through my interviews of, of numerous people, rich, poor, you name it, everyone was looking for the same five things. Everyone wants love, respect, purpose, health, and financial independence. There's not a single person on this planet who will tell you they want to be broke and sick, right? And so, but everyone was looking for this method, if you will, this formula. If I do X, Y, and Z, I will have fulfillment. If I do X, Y, and Z, I will be wealthy. I will be happy. I will find love. I will fill in the blank. And you and I both know that's a flawed approach because what works for one person will not work for the next person. Now you might be the same on 99.99% of things, but there's always gonna be one area where you differ. So the right method provides its audience with the tools, if you will, and then you create your own tool belt. So you create your own right method based on all of the materials, all of the resources and solutions that we provide to you. The right method started off as again, my background is journalism. So I wanted to go and align with the most successful people on the planet. What did they do differently? What was the secret? Is there a secret? Is there something that if all of us knew it, like if, 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 if we all knew how to do it, whatever it is, could we obtain the same level of success? Let me take a guess. The answer is no. Well, actually the answer is, is yes. And so, yeah, yeah. And so, so there is a, there actually is a right method and you have to find it for you. So one thing I like to clarify is the right method is your own right method based on these tools that align with you and who you are. So I went out and I talked to everyone from the co-founder of Constant Contact, Alex Stern, to Mitzi Purdue. We all have uh, heard of that last name, right? Mitzi Purdue, Brian Tracy, Kevin Harrington of Shark Tank, um, just just countless, Jeff Hoffman, Priceline.com, Sharon Lecter, the amazing author, Sharon Lecter. And I wanted to go inside their houses. So that was the initial goal. I want to align with these individuals and I want to interview them in their homes. Like I want to go inside their houses. I want to see how they live. What do they do differently? And actually learn who they are, what they represent and how they did it. And so that is how it started. Myself and a television crew, we flew all over the country and we obtained all these interviews, multiple interviews, multiple things. The plan from here post course is actually to create a television show. So that is the next element that we are working on, but we have the course that's already out and available to everybody at therightmethod.com slash offer. And we have uh, a lot of resources on the website. Sounds as wonderful. Well. Wow. So did you have any pushback with people saying, oh, I don't want you coming to my house and recording me? Or did they really like that idea? Every single person said yes. And it's funny because when I came up with the idea, I told people in my circle, I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And then I changed my attitude. I said, no, I'm not thinking. I said, I'm going to get into the houses of all these people and do these interviews. And people literally stopped and they said, Dominique, do you really think in the middle of COVID-19, 
we started this in March of 2020 and we went through like July. Do you really think in the height of this brand new disease that we're all learning about this pandemic that people are actually going to let you a stranger and a television crew into their houses? That's never going to happen. But I chose not to believe that. In life, you have to truly believe in yourself and your skill sets and what you represent and what you want to do. And so for me, that wasn't an option, though. They're not going to say yes was never an option. It was a matter of me getting my mindset right to say, why would they not? Why would they not? Let's go do this. And so every person I reached out to, they said, yes, you can come. Let's figure out a time. Let's figure out a date. And we flew there. We conducted our interviews. And then we did 17 of these. And then COVID really started to get really, really bad uh, the summer. So then we pulled away and said, okay, let's take a small break. We have 17 of these shot. We have enough to create everything we need to do. And then the, the plan is when things calm down a bit to go back out on our journey and interview more super successful leaders. So think of it as Napoleon Hill, like a modern day Napoleon Hill with a twist and on television. That's what I okay, do. Okay, that's a good description. It sounds great. I think a lot of people know who Napoleon Hill is. I don't know how many of them have actually read his books. I have. But uh, I'm sure enough have that. That's a that's a good way to explain it. Now, you went to these people's houses. COVID was here, but it hadn't quite gotten to the extent where it is actually where it is now again, right? So, but I would still imagine that people were locked down, and they were probably actually happy to have you come to the house and have some in-person human interaction because they've been sequestered away for several weeks already. I would, so at first I thought, how did you let, how did you get in there? How did they let you in their house? Now thinking about it, as long as you promise to practice, you know, safe social distancing, they probably loved it because they, they got somebody else to talk to them in front of them. Right. Well, there, there are a lot of steps that, to, that go about it, right. To, to make it happen. So, Initially going into this, you have to have a plan. I always tell folks, you have to have a plan. How are you going to execute this properly? It wasn't just sending an email or writing uh, somebody on Instagram or Facebook. We actually had a very strategic approach in in aligning with these individuals. So creating a a full-blown media packet, like a press release, things like that. So we went 10 steps above to make our presentation very okay, polished. so that, can I interrupt you? Because that brings a very important question to mind, and I, I don't want to forget to ask you this. Um, I, I, you know, I make the assumption that because you're, you know, basically a famous person, you, you're in the industry, you know, a lot of people, you have connections. I would make the assumption, well, well, you know, she probably knows all these people. They know who she is. She just has to get on the phone and call and say, "Hey, I'm doing this. Can I come over and, and record a session?" But in reality, from what you just told me. It sounds like it wasn't really that easy. You still had to sell them. So how many of these people did you know well that you could just get on the phone and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You mind if I come over and do it versus you didn't even know them and you had to approach them and convince them that you were good at this and to let you into their home? Zero. I did not know a single person on the platform. So, okay. So it took a little bit of, a little bit of guts uh, and perseverance and skill. Absolutely. It's confidence. It's coming the right, showing up. I always talk about showing up the right way. You need to prove to somebody that they should let you into their house, right? So go the extra mile, go the extra five miles. What can you do to stand out, to be different? What can you do? How can you get them to say yes? A lot of these individuals I reached out to over and over and over and over again. And then they were like, huh, there's some tenacity here. I like her. There's something about her. She's really engaged and not in a creepy way. You don't want to be showing up at someone's house or anything like that, of course, but it's a matter of knowing what you want and staying on top of it. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. So that was the focus was knowing who we wanted to align with. And um, some interviews were a lot easier than others, but others took time. They took months of time and research and reaching out. See, you got to know that there are people listening to this podcast and they're going to go, well, that's great. Wow. She got all these famous people to talk to her. Well, I can't do that. I'd love to do that, but I don't know any of these. I can't do that. I don't know these people. How are they not going to say yes to me? But in reality, your uh, notoriety, your fame helped you. I'm sure you've mentioned that you're an Emmy Award winner, et cetera, et cetera. But what really got you in the door wasn't that, right? It was just your marketing, your tenacity, the way you approach them and the way you follow through. So 
almost anybody could do it if they really wanted to do it, right? Absolutely. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So often we focus on why we can't do something. And that's something as a society we really need to work on. We will come up with 10,000 excuses as to why it won't work for us. I don't have the fame. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the connection. I don't, I don't, I don't. And the reason we do that is to protect ourselves because if, if they don't respond, then we can say, see, that's exactly why I knew it. I'm not an Emmy award winner. I'm not famous. I don't have money. I don't have this, right? But those are excuses. And so the this first step for anyone out there who wants to do anything in life, number one, and I'm going to be super blunt with this, we have to stop being victims. 95% of people live below the line in blame, shame, and justification. Only 5% of people live above the line in accountability and responsibility. And what that means is you need to say, I am going to do this, period. No more excuses. You have to believe in yourself. No one else is going to believe in you the way you can believe in yourself, because there are going to be so many naysayers along that journey who will say, you can't do that. That's never going to happen. They'll never say yes to you. You'll never get that job. And if you choose to believe them, then you won't. But if you choose to rise above it and say, listen, that's your opinion and you are entitled to your opinion and that's great. But I choose not to believe that. I choose to believe that I can make this happen and I can make this work. Trust me, when you truly internalize that and can say that magic will start to happen in your life. I get the impression you've said that a few times. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd like to talk about this. It's one of those things where, cause it's so true. And we live in a society, Rob, where as a, as a whole, as a culture, we don't think we are worthy. We don't think we deserve things. We don't think we, we are, we're told from day one that we need to play small. Right. And so for most people, and I talk about this often, if you ask an individual to look at themselves in the mirror, face themselves and say, I am amazing. 97% of people cannot do that. Really? They just can't, they can't look in the mirror and say, I'm amazing. No, And mean it truly look themselves in the mirror and say, I am amazing. And when I That's say sad. that, I don't mean that from a cocky standpoint, like I'm better than someone else because you are no better than anyone else and nobody is less than you, right? So the reality is we are all the same. We all have the same opportunities in this world. So being able to, to gain that confidence of I can do it. I am amazing. I am worthy. Why not me? If there's a job opening, why not you? Why can't you? Why, why not you? And that's where we need to focus our energy and our attention on is that self-doubt. And, and filling that body with self-love. I can do it. I am good enough. I am worthy. Yes. Now, entertainers in general, and I don't care if they're singers, actors, newscasters, you're an entertainer, right? I mean, even a baseball player, I guess you could say is an entertainer, but in showbiz, you know, the visual market, television or, or radio even, um, these people are kind of famous for being insecure and having self-doubt. And even the, the most experienced and accomplished actors often have stage fright and feel like they're only um, five minutes away from not being hired from the job and et cetera. And yet you don't seem to have that attitude. So what led you to believe that you're this great person who's able to do anything she wants? You must have had some experiences in your lifetime that facilitated that. What, you know, what's happened to you that got you to be such a self-assured woman? Well, I'll say first and foremost, Rob, it's a lot like taking a shower. Motivation is something that you don't just master. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I am a guru. I get it. I am the one. It, it doesn't work that way. It's like taking a shower. You have to practice it every day and you have to make an effort to say, okay, what am I going to do today to be positive, to feel good, to feel great? I personally, I don't like feeling bad in any way, shape or form. I like to feel good. So that's a choice. So when something happens to me, if someone says something to me or someone cuts me off in traffic or someone does something that irritates me, I can choose to react and lose my power and feel bad. Or I can say, you know what? That happened. I want to feel good. I want to continue feeling good. So it's a constant effort. You're constantly working on it every single day. You asked for a specific example. The best one I can give you is having children. 
When I was pregnant with my first child, he's two now. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old, two boys. They are incredible. I love them more than anything in this world. And when I was pregnant with my first, I was in a grocery store and this woman, a stranger walked up to me and she said, congratulations, your children, or she said, your child, your child will be your greatest teacher in life. And I kind of smiled at her and said, oh, okay, thank you. But it stuck with me. And I didn't quite know at the time what that meant. Then fast forward, my child was born, my first one, and she was so right. If you watch a child, they are magnificent. And the reason why children get it is because they haven't been touched by all of the negativity of the world that tells them they can't do it, that they can't be great. Watch a child by themselves. They are mesmerized by the simplest things. Looking at a leaf on the ground for my son is like the most incredible thing. Watching the washing machine go around and around and around is so spectacular, but we lose that somewhere on our journey, right? The simple things in life matter. You watch a child's imagination. You watch how they are fearless. Kids are fearless, right? So what happens to us in this journey when we just stop? We, we, we become scared. We become complacent. We become afraid to take that first step something happens. And what that is, is called programming. We are programmed as a society, right? You're born, everything is, everything is possible. Everything is possible. And then at some point in our lives, somebody says something to us that turns that switch. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not going to make it. You're so dumb. You're this, you're this. And at that point, we believe it. So why do we believe that? Why do we? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a mystery to me because if you believed you were great five minutes ago and now so, suddenly says to you, you're not so great, why do you choose to believe them rather than not your inner voice? It, it's like this. If someone says something negative to you, 200 people can say something positive and you'll still remember that one person who said that one negative thing. Yeah, we it's the same on. question. Why do people, I guess we don't know why people do that, but we know they do, right? We do. It, it's, it's our it's innate, it's a human trait, and that's what we do. We just, you know, we like to play small. Unfortunately, that's the nature of our society. Play small, fit in, don't stand out, don't don't shake, you know, the system, just just fit in. Play small, fit in. You know, my, my sister and I decided to buy my 86-year-old mother a laptop. <laughs> I'm still convinced it's a mistake, but she wants one. Okay, she wants with kicking and dragging her into the 21st century. I, in fact, I just got her hooked up with internet yesterday, and I got and bought her a smart TV. And so we're gonna get her hooked up here. And my, I let my sister Julie go ahead and, and, and research some laptops. I did too, but she's kind of in charge of that. And she's kind of, and I said, you know, there's one in Costco. It's an HP. It's four hundred fifty dollars. It looks like it's great. She says to me. Oh, I don't know. I've read the reviews and that one seems to have so many problems that I don't uh, think we should buy that. So I go and I look and I see that it's got like four and a half out of five star reviews. And there's a bunch of negative things and half the negative things are user error. People who just don't read the instructions or they're not smart enough to plug it in or something, you know. And, and, and then I look and I see how many. Well, there's about, I don't know. 15 negative reviews and they've sold something like, I don't know, 15 million of these things. Right. So most, the overwhelming majority of people who bought them loved them. And, but a few people had a bad experience. So they wrote about it. And then she chose to just focus on these few negative reviews telling me that this machine's not good. Now this is a machine, right? It's not a personality. So if people will do that, I can imagine you multiply that by a thousand on how you feel about yourself, right? You, somebody says something to you, like you say, a thousand people could tell you how wonderful you are. And then one person tells you, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. You walk away thinking, why, am, why does she think I'm an idiot? Why does he think I'm an idiot? I, I feel badly about that. You know, you forget about the other thousand people that gave you praise, right? Right. Now that, and that's what you teach people in your classes, isn't it? How to filter out that negative noise and get back your power and who you are and feel like you can do anything. 100%. I call it white noise, right? It's, it's all, okay. it, most of it is actually the little voice in your head 
that tells you, you cannot do it. You are not great. You are why you can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. It allows you to reset yourself, start to finish resetting your mindset, your paradigm, how you choose to think about certain things, the way you eat, the way you think, the way you drink, et cetera. So it literally is start to finish a full reset of you to be able to be your best self, not only for the world, but for yourself, because it starts from within. So out of the, I don't know how many people in this country now, let's just say it's 300 million. Out of the 300 million people living in America, how many of them would benefit by following your course or your advice? 97%. So a Gallup poll came out recently. That's oh, okay. So you have, uh, you yep. have Yep. Uh, a Gallup poll came out recently and said 97% of people are disengaged in life. So what that means is 97, the majority of Americans, this is a, a world figure, by the way, of the world, they are walking through life and they are existing and they are not living. And there's a very huge difference between the two existing and living. Existing means you're here, but you're just going through the motions. You wake up, you have coffee out of the same cup, you drive to work the same way every day, you sit in your chair, you do your job, you go home at the same time, drive home the exact same way. You're just going through the motions and you're complacent. You're there, you get up out of bed, yeah, yeah I got a job, but you're not, you're not living. There's a quote that says most people die at 25 but they're not buried until they're 85. Because I love it. We're, just, we're just here. We're just in this world and we're kind of existing, but who wants to do that? Your life, your, what you do should be the vehicle that takes you to an epic life. Okay. Your job, what you want to do should be the vehicle that takes you to an epic life, not the obstacle that prevents you from getting one. And that's a very profound statement that a lot of people want to achieve. They just don't know how to do it. And it starts first and foremost with your mindset, clearing that space and learning, truly learning and internalizing that you truly become what you think about. And that is the first step to being successful. It's working on that mindset. All right. Let's let that soak in for a, a minute to people because that's, well, that's wisdom at its finest, I would say. Now, I want to talk about social media a little bit. Now, I know that that's a double-edged sword. And I've seen some of your social media. Your, your marketing is par excellence. I mean, your stuff is great. As I mentioned to you before this interview, I'm stealing some of your marketing. Great. <laughs> I'm learning from the best. I'm not too proud to say I, I don't know everything. I don't. And I'm, when I see a good idea, I, why shouldn't I use it, right? And, and so you're, you have had everything from LinkedIn to Facebook and then you've sent stuff out online and I, I, don't, I don't even know everything you've done, but I know you've u- utilized social media very, very well. Um, but I also know, I hear a lot of talk about how social media is extremely damaging, especially to younger people. It hurts their egos. People see all these people looking prettier than them, having a better time than them. They're always laughing and smiling on the camera, even though it's a pose. And you know, as soon as the camera's done, they go back to that sourpuss face, some of them. Um, social media tends to make people feel worse, not better. Do you have any sage advice here on people on how to not let that stuff get to them? Because I see that as a really big damaging way to lose your greatness. Yeah, that, that's a $20 million question, Rob. And the reality is, first and foremost, so people have to remember when they see anything on social media, it's what I call the representative. Remember that. It's the representative. You see that person and you're like, wow, look at, look at her and look at her husband. And they're always on vacations and they're all over the world and everything looks so great and grand and happy. Now they're You find out it's a Zoom background, right? <laughs> You find out it's a new background or they've stockpiled photos from the last 10 years and all out over the course of 20 days or whatever. So the reality is knowing that all of that is the representative. So many people think of Hollywood, right? How many celebrities do we know that we can all just name right off? You know, you can probably name five without thinking about it that have what we perceive as the perfect life. They have all the money. They can buy any house they want. They fly via jets. They can eat at any restaurant at any time, but they're miserable. 
They are overdosing. They are committing suicide. They are chronically stressed and depressed. Why is that? Well, the reason why is we are so focused as a culture on the destination. Okay, when I become famous, I will be happy. When I become rich, whatever that means to you, I will be happy. But that's such a flawed approach because it's the journey that brings us happiness, not the destination. And so often with celebrities, they get there so fast that they think, okay, when I become a movie star, I will be happy. And they get that and it doesn't bring them the happiness that they expected. That's where the spiral happens because they now have everything the way the world sees it, but they're completely lost and depleted and empty inside. So it starts with you. You have to be able to build that internal self-esteem, that confidence, that self-love. And from there, you're able to share your light with others. So when people are focusing on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and whatever they use, and they see all these wonderful things, they, they see somebody who's reached their destination. They don't get to see the journey, which is really the, the best part of it. And, and even though that destination might be fake, it still looks like they've made it. Right. And they, they say, well, look, they made it. They look, 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 they're in Bermuda, but in the ocean or they're in Hawaii and the scuba diving. And I wish I could do that. Not remembering that when you ask that person, what, what was your favorite part of the vacation? They say, oh, we met this greatest couple while we were having dinner. We had the wonderful conversation and we talked about this, that and the other thing. And that's what they remember. They don't remember laying on the beach or scuba diving. Well, sometimes, but often that's not what brings them the most joy, right? But that's what they share with the world. They don't share the journey part. Well, the key is also to remember, again, it's that representative. And if it does bother you, because I know this is an issue, not just with, with the youth of the world. This well, is everybody now. With everybody. You get on there and you- Except, except me. I don't look at social not media. Not you, Rob. <laughs> you're, you're the anomaly, okay? But for most people, it is the reality. They, they go on and I don't care if you are 12 or 102, right? You see people and you're like, wow, I really wish I was in Bora Bora right now. Or oh, I really wish I had a jet like so-and-so and I could fly on private airlines and I could, I wish, I wish, I wish. If you find yourself in that position, that's not healthy. So you need to stop. And how you stop is you stop going on social media. Give yourself a 28-day detox. It takes 28 days to break a habit. That's a fact. So go on a 28-day detox and say, okay, I am not going to go on whatever platform it is, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, the, whatever your ticker is, I'm not going to go on there for 28 days. You can do that. Most people can't be without that phone for 28 minutes. I know. It's a challenge, though. But if it bothers you that much, if it's causing depression, which is a serious, serious condition, then you need to figure out a way around that. And the key is taking a step away and saying, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And I promise you, after 28 days, you will feel a sense of relief. You won't be worried and concerned and sad by, the, by looking at your phone. You know, you'll, you'll be able to have that mental freedom to say, you know what, none of that even matters. I am happy where I am. And another step you can take is practicing gratitude. This is something I love and I talk about often. When you're watching other people and you feel less than, it's because you're not fully practicing gratitude. There is always something in your life to be grateful for. And I don't care how dark your day is or your life is or your moment is or your year is. There are always things to be grateful for. I've had many obstacles and struggles in my own life. And I choose, that's a word I like to use often. I choose to look at the positive. I choose to be grateful. And I had one person ask me one time, well, how Dominique, how do I become grateful? What do I do? I just really feel like my world is ending. I've had so much loss and so much pain. And I just don't feel I just don't feel happy. I don't feel motivated. I don't feel grateful for anything because everything is falling apart. This is what I tell them to do. Look around, make a circle with your head from the floor to the ceiling and back down to the floor. And then realize what you are grateful for. I yeah, because sometimes it's right in front of your face. It's right in front of your face. And I'm not talking about money and cars and houses because the reality is all of those things I just mentioned are very, very cheap in the grand scheme of things and can be replaced. Your mind, your body, your ambitions, your dreams, your children, those are things that are priceless. And if you lost them tomorrow, 
If you lost them tomorrow, you would do anything to get them back. I'll give you a personal story, Rob. On Saturday, this past Saturday, I was holding my one-year-old walking in the living room and I collapsed to the floor and I could not move my left leg. Couldn't move it, not even half an inch. Had to call the ambulance, went to the hospital. Uh, They couldn't figure it out. They did an x-ray, ultrasound, no idea. Could not, my leg was just, I could not move it. Couldn't move. And so we ended up going to an orthopedic doctor. They did a, they did an MRI on the leg and found out that my meniscus is, is actually not to be too graphic, but it's not attached to the bone. It, it's torn off. And so it was a situation where I could choose to feel bad and negative and poor me, poor me, poor me. Or I can say, you know what? Maybe this is an opportunity. I'm doing too much. Maybe this is me needing to slow down a little bit and be more present in what I am doing. So you can choose to look at things either way. This morning I woke up again, that was Saturday. A few days later, I woke up and my leg is still in pain, but I can actually walk on my leg today. That is incredible. I can walk on my, I couldn't walk on my leg a couple of days ago and now I can walk on it. I have a, certain, and now you're grateful for, to having legs that work. I'm, right? I'm grateful. I'm grateful to walk. I woke up this morning, Rob, and I'm like, I cannot wait to go to the post office. Wait to go to the grocery store, and it sounds silly, but it's these little things we take for granted. I'm grateful for water. I'm grateful to walk. I'm grateful I have my hands so I can hold my children, right? And, and do the things that you need to do in life. We focus on the wrong things. Okay. Let, let's talk a little bit about failure because everybody I know, especially successful people, uh, I've had lots of stories of failures. And, and if you don't fail once in a while, that means you're not trying hard enough. Failure is not a bad thing. You should embrace it, right? Because you learn from your failures. And, and so I always found the people that I know are successful, not necessarily mean that they're wealthy. They're just successful in life. And they're not afraid to try new things. They're not afraid to put themselves on the line. And they're not afraid to fail. Some people call it failing forward, whatever you choose to call it, right? But I, I like to ask my interviewees often, you know, what have you done either in your business or in any of your life, your marriage, whatever, where you've tried something and it was a, just a spectacular failure. And then you just said, okay, pick yourself back up, whether it took a minute, a year, a decade, but you got through it. Right. So do you have an example of something that you have failed at that you could share with the world that they could learn from? So many stories of failure. I could go on for days and days and days. And you know what? I own it. I love it. I don't look at failures as failures. I look at them as opportunities and lessons because when your thing, whatever the it is happens, you will be ready for it. And it conditions you to be ready. So let me interrupt you because that's, I like that. You know, I always like to pick out a couple of golden nuggets of wisdom from the people I talk to. Everybody's got something brilliant to say, right? And so if you just substitute the word failure for, what did you say, learning? It's an opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity or opportunity is even better. I didn't fail. I found an opportunity. It completely changes your mindset about what just happened, doesn't it? Absolutely. So give us an example of something that happened to you like that and you, you, chose to say, all right, I failed. No, I didn't. I found an opportunity. Let's use it. I mean, can you think of something specific? I've got so many. So let's go back to uh, Cleveland. I was a television host. I was hosting my own show in Cleveland, Ohio. And I finished my episode. We were live. I said, thanks for watching. I'm Dominique. I'll see you back here tomorrow. I left the set, grabbed my cell phone like I did every single day. And I looked at my phone and there was a text message from my boss. And it said, meet me upstairs now. I thought, okay. Now the managers were all upstairs. We were on the main floor, but all the the execs were on the top floor. So I proceeded upstairs. I walked into the conference room and there were 12 of my coworkers in this room. So I look around and everyone else looks kind of confused why they're there too. So I thought, well, maybe my boss is announcing his retirement or maybe there's there's a new HR director they're bringing on or something, you know, I don't know. So I sit down front and center. I was the last one in the room because I had just finished my show. My boss looks up at me and he said, that was your last show. You are no longer the host of that show anymore in front of the whole room. And everyone went, oh, what? And I sat there, Rob, frozen. 
And he looked at me, he goes, do you have any questions? <laughs> yeah, what do I do tomorrow? And I just sat there and I said, can I speak with you in private? And he said, sure. So we proceeded to go to his office and I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated because for the first time ever, I was in a situation where I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I was just so broken, right? I'm in front of all of these people and this happened. So I go into his office and he, we proceeded to start talking and he goes, do you have any questions? I said, well, yes. Do I still have a job? And he goes, yes. I said, okay, what am I doing? He goes, you can do whatever you want to do. You can choose to walk out that door and never come back, or you can start reporting tomorrow. It's up to you. And he said it just like that. You can walk out of that door or you can come back and be a reporter. Now, a reporter at the time for me was a demotion because I was hosting a show. I didn't want to go into the field and report. I wanted to be doing what I was doing. So I walked out of his office, proceeded to my vehicle, called my husband. And I said, honey, I don't know what just happened. I, I don't know what's going on. And I was bawling. I was so broken. I was so hurt. And I couldn't understand why. Like, what, did I do something wrong? Did something happen? And no, I didn't, but I just, I just couldn't conceptualize why this was happening to me. What did I do? I've, I've always been on time. I've always gone above and beyond. Why did this happen to me? My husband said, oh, by the way, this was 11 days before my wedding. I went home and I told my husband, I said, I can't go back there tomorrow. I said, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so humiliated. I don't know how to, to, to thrive again in this environment. And my husband, who is my rock, said, not only are you going to go in, you're going to go in ready, dressed to the nines. You're going to be on. So I did that. The next day I went to work. Dominique, why are you here? Because it's my job and I take it very seriously. Dome, that is, they call me Dome for short. Dome, that is, that's BS what they did to you. I can't believe it. I would smile and say, it is what it is. I'm here to do my job. I'm here to, to, to do, this is a lesson for me. This is an opportunity. I don't know what it is right now. I have no idea, but I know it will show itself to me at some point. So I got in there the next day and I owned the, this new role as reporter. I said, I will be a reporter. I'm going to be the best reporter I can be. I'm going to do everything I can to stand out. I started doing long form pieces. And then the Republican National Convention came into town. It was my job to be on the front lines covering the protests. It was very extreme that year. They had, I had to have a bodyguard with me. I had to wear a bulletproof vest because they had gotten some word from federal agents that there might be some craziness happening. So imagine the mindset you have to have knowing that I am going to report on something where I have to have a bodyguard and a bulletproof vest on. Okay, let's do this. So on my last day of reporting in the field, a big fight broke out inches from where I was standing. And I was the reporter, the only one who was down there. So I started covering this live on all the different channels, right? They were taking me and, and everything that was going on. So what happened was I finished my report. I got back to the station and my boss said, where did that come from? And I said, it's always been there. You just never saw it. He's like, wow, I just, I, I didn't know you had that in you. He's like, I had no idea. Well, I tell you that story because it was that report in the field at the RNC in Cleveland that landed me my very first Emmy award. It was being taken off of something that I thought was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me that turned out to be one of the best things that could have happened. But I had to have faith. I had to know that it was going to work out in some way, shape or form. So you fell yourself right into an Emmy. Build yourself into an enemy. Yeah, <laughs> that's so great. So you did because you didn't fail, and it was had nothing to do with you. Why they canceled you? Probably you had some to do with ratings or whatever. Who knows? It doesn't matter. But you as a person, you as a professional, you were just as good the next day as you were the day before, and you just one door closed, another one opened, as they say, and you waited for your next opportunity, and it was a a great one, right? And the lesson there is that I could have quit. I could have gone home and been like, I can't believe they did this. I'm done. I'm, I'm so mad. You know, things are really bad, but I chose not to do that. I chose to say, okay, you know what? This has happened. I am going to rise above it. I'm going to be great. I'm going to rise above it. And that's what I chose to do. So many of my listeners are entrepreneurs, right? And they, they, they have clients, customers, whatever, you know, and then they have often a few big 
uh, clients or customers and some small ones. And if they lose one of their big accounts, it devastates them because it could be half their income sometimes, right? And that could happen. You can get a call. It's happened to me where I, I'm sorry, Rob, I no longer need your services for whatever reason, right? It's, it's usually nothing to do with me, but it doesn't matter. I lost the business. And, and uh, I mean, COVID's a good example. I have a publishing business. I have a book. I sold half a million of them. And it gives me a decent income every year, but this year I got nothing. So what do I do? Right. So I'm finding other things to do. But anyway, if somebody's out there and listening to this and, and you lost a big client, you can choose to go hide in the corner and be really upset. Or you could say, oh, well, that frees me up 10 hours a week. Now, let me see what I'm really good at and I'll go do it and something else will come along and it might just be much better, which is what happened to you, right? Right. And the reality is knowing that storms don't last forever. Okay. As long as you can remember that the way the world works in order to ebb and flow, you're always going to have disappointments along with those great, great successes. That is how the world works. So just knowing and keeping the faith of knowing, okay, this is not the best situation for me. I wish I was here. I wish things were different, but they're not. So owning that, owning that reset. Okay, here I am today. Here's what's going on. I can't change it, but I can choose what I, what I can change is how I deal with it. I can change my attitude. I can change the way I do my business. Change is actually really good, believe it or not. Sometimes it forces us to get away from the status quo and say, how can I reinvent in this way? How can I change and, 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 and flow in this way? So the reality is you can do it. Just keep the faith and know that even when that storm is here and we've all had them and this is not my first storm and this is not my last storm. There's going to be many more storms to come. Create that muscle memory to know that it's not forever. It's not forever. And the reality is it might be a day. It might be a month. It might be two years. Things will get better. Nothing ever stays the same, period. You know, that's a great way to end our podcast, but I'm not going to end it because oh. I have a couple other questions. Of course. <laughs> I love this. This is great. I, I, have a, <laughs> I have a comment and a question. First, my comment, which is really significant in some ways. I, I have a, I've done, I'm doing a podcast here for women, business women mostly, and, and highlighting what's, what are challenges women have that men don't have. And how is it different for women in the workplace and in the business place than it is for their male counterparts? Well, I often discuss that. And, and there are things that are worth talking about. But I've been talking to you now for 45 minutes. And it only just now occurred to me that I didn't address that because there's absolutely no need to address it. I mean, what you're saying is universal. It doesn't. I don't think it would matter whether you're a man, a woman, or somebody in between what we see a lot these days, it doesn't matter. It's human behavior. It's your human thought. It's just universal uh, methods of success and how to deal with things that are not so successful. And so I, I applaud you for having such a, I don't know how do I put this? <laughs> it's just a, a very broad based set of opinions and, and, and knowledge that people of any gender, race, color, nationality, everybody could use a little bit of your wisdom. See, you're welcome. It's, uh, <clears throat> I find that to be uh, highly unusual. So let me change the subject to something a little less emotional and I, ask you well, something. May I ask you why? Why is it emotional? Uh, I don't know. I just found I got emotional over it. Really appreciate that. Emotional and I'm enjoying I love, it. I love authenticity, so thank yeah, I don't you. Mind being emotional. Doesn't doesn't bother me. I'm a very very sensitive emotional person, and uh, anyway, you know, you you breached into me and you grabbed something that I wasn't thinking of. So I'm I'm impressed. Not too many people impress me. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. That means so much to me. Well, you're welcome. So I want to ask you something practical, because I notice we're on Zoom. I see you in front of me. Now, my, my audience doesn't. They, they hear, they're hearing this podcast. But I'm seeing you, and I'm noticing that not only are you pretty, beautiful, whatever word you want to use, some of that is 
natural. And some of that is how you present yourself. It's your attitude. It's your makeup. It's the lighting. It's the camera. You know, I, I suspect most of it is your personal charisma and your attitude coming through. People are beautiful from the inside out. Right. Um, but also you're looking right at me. And I know you're not looking at me because that's not how this works. You're probably looking at the camera, I guess. I'm looking at you. And I know if you look, if you, you're probably thinking I'm not looking directly at you because I'm looking at your p picture on the screen. And yet you are giving me the impression that you're looking right into my eyes when you're talking to me. So there's so many people out there that these days have to do Zoom meetings, presentations, what have you. And they have to, uh, they have to look good on camera. So what, what, what is the secret? What's, what's your little tricks and tips that help it? So, you know, why do, why do I think you're looking right at me and how do you do that? Um, goodness. I'm actually, well, I am looking at you on my screen. So, <laughs> but your camera can't be right in where my face is. Right. Right. So, so my, my zoom window, so is probably, uh, one half the size. It's not the full, full screen. So I have it shrunken a little bit Okay. and I actually am looking at your square. I are, I'm on speaker view. So you're on the left and I'm on the right. So hang on, I'm going to switch the speaker view. Okay. Now what I see is me big and you little. So when you start talking, I guess your picture would be big, right? Oh, on mine, I have it yeah. by side. Okay. All right. I see. And so now when on speaker view, I mean, it's a simple, silly little thing that yeah. I never thought of. I'm sure I'm not the only one who hasn't and thought of it, And another right? trick, um, this is what they teach you in TV. So when you're talking to someone, if you actually look at the tip of their nose, or anywhere on where their nose is located, it always looks like you're looking directly into both of their eyes, even if you're not. Now it's a little weird, so you might as well just look into their eyes if you have that opportunity. But the same thing applies here on Zoom. So where the two uh, videos are side by side, there's a break, there's a little black line in between the two videos. So if you focus right on that black line in between the two videos, you look like you're looking directly at that person. Great. Thanks. That's a great tip. I mean, don't diminish the importance of that. It's really, that could change somebody's entire life, just knowing to do that. And, and I've talked to other guests, Sandra D. Robinson, who was a soap opera TV star at one time, and now she has all these self-improvement stuff, and she does equine therapy of some sort, and, and she teaches how to look good on camera, and she's taught me a few tricks too, uh, but nobody else has. And so... I'd be foolish not to pick your brain a little bit about how to look on a camera since you're a, you're a pro, right? So I thank you for that. Uh, that's definitely helped me. And pay attention, ladies out there. It'll help you as well. Uh, don't just slough that off. That's important stuff. You know, you, you, people look at you and they get an impression. And whether it's justified or not, they form opinions. And if you look good on camera, they automatically listen to you, like you better and think you know something. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's all kinds of other tricks. Like for example, your, your top should be a solid color if you can help it. So uh, bright colors tend to look better, but base it on your skin tone. So if you have very fair skin, you want to wear something that's not too, too loud, right? You don't want to have uh, fuchsia right. if you are of a more of a fair tone. Yeah. I'm always Start jealous of these black gentlemen who wear all these colorful suits and I can't wear them at all. They look terrible on me, but they look great. And they have so many choices. I wear blue and black, you know, you gotta own it. Own the blue and you black. gotta own it. I do. I own it. I, I do, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's a great tip too. color makes a difference. And I didn't, and what solid. So like solids right. always be a solid color if you can help it. All right, the shirt I'm wearing now is not a solid color. And I see on the, on the, my screen, it doesn't look so great. And so not that it matters because this is just an audio podcast, but it does matter because I want you to have a certain uh, thought or impression of me as a professional. And so I want to come to the table looking as a, like a professional. Uh, and so I think I'll be wearing solid shirts, solid color shirts from, from now on. So that was a little uh, radical, not little, it's a radical shift in our conversation, but just as valuable, but in different ways. And so I thank you for that as well. So in closing, uh, if you could tell people how to find you, how to find your book, how to find your program, anything you want to share with them, uh, whether it's a URL or email or anything at all, uh, I'll put it in my show notes too, but tell people 
how to find what you're offering and what it's called? So if you guys want to learn more, we have tons of resources on therightmethod.com. That's R-I-G-H-T, therightmethod.com. On there, you'll find all sorts of solutions and resources to be better, to be healthier, work on your mindset, blogs, you name it. If you are interested in the course, you can find it on that same website. But if you want to just get right to it, you don't want to jump around, just show me where the course is, go to therightmethodcourses.com slash offer. The right method courses.com slash offer. The reset course is a $4,300 course, but for a limited time, we are offering it to your audience, Rob, for $199. Talk about a bargain. Wow, that's a deal. Under $200 because we really want to get this resource out there. So under 200 bucks to reset your life once and for all. It's a 14-day transformational program. You can go at it at your own pace. You can take one, one module a week, one module a month, or if you are hardcore, you can take one module a day. But we work, we work on everything from mindset, paradigm shift, health is wealth, inventorying your circle, self-care, profitability, overcoming fear and obstacles, service to others, and so many other things. So it really helps you help yourself to fully reset. As for social media, you can find us on everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, just search The Right Method. Again, that's R-I-G-H-T method. It's a gold R logo, you can't miss it. And if you wanna follow me, just search my name. It's Dominique, it's spelled D like David, H-O-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. My parents wanted me to be a great speller, apparently. <laughs> Just search Dominique on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Dominique Murphy is where you'll find me. Well, this has been a real pleasure, Dominique. And uh, I hope my listeners enjoy this interview as much as I have. I imagine they will. And I'll take another look at your course myself. I actually uh, took a peek at it and started taking it. I think I will go back now and, and, and finish it. So thank you Such so a much. Wonderful opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on the Amazing Women podcast. Subscribe now and get the latest episodes sent to your device every week. Go to our website, theamazingwomenpodcast.com to hear bonus episodes, download free business tools, and join our family of amazing women. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.